Welcome to the Men Making a Difference podcast. The MMAD movement is a movement to restore and enhance clarity and masculinity. In the United States today, it is a very confusing time for what it means to be a man, what a real man looks like, and how we can revive manhood. The lineup will include men who lead by example with their faith, family, job or occupation, and community. These men are truly breaking the mold of what culture tells us a man should be, and they continue to inspire others to do the same. If you are a guy who needs guidance, you can find it here. So welcome to the second uh, podcast of the Men Making a Difference movement. Uh, I'm your host, Tate Hadachek, for the second podcast, and uh, very excited to have on our guest, Logan Stout. Uh, Logan, you're an author. You're the founder and CEO of ID Life, a direct sales company that's uh, just taken off right now, and you, you had a stint in the MLB for a while, too, I know, and just a very successful guy to, at, a, at a young age, so excited to have you on. Man, thanks for having me. I appreciate you. Um allow me to be on this. I love everything you're doing with, with these podcasts, man. I tell you, men, all of us, but you know, men, you know, we all need to be challenged. We all, we all need to grow. And, and, you know, when we grow, everything around us grows, right. And, and we can get better. Uh, everything else becomes better. And so I, I, I love what you guys are doing and, and thanks for having me on. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, and so first just tell us about your story. Uh, I know bits and pieces of it, but not all of it, just how, how you grew up and, uh, I'm sure some people are interested in your athletic background as well. And obviously you're, you're leading a business right now. So you can dive into that a little bit too, or just go into as much, uh, as much or as little detail as you want. Sure. Yeah. No, I mean, I, that's my, my, my life's an open book. I just feel like, I feel like, uh, the more authentic we are, the more we can connect with people. Right. I think, yeah. I think sometimes people, people share their good stuff, but hide their bad stuff. And the truth is it's the bad stuff that we all connect with. Right. We all, we all have, and I say bad stuff meaning struggles and, hardship and all that type of stuff. So I'm, I'm happy to tell my story. So yeah, no, I, I was born and raised in Dallas, Texas. Uh, parents got divorced when I was four years old. And uh, my dad was a scuba instructor. He actually opened the first dive shop in Dallas, Texas. And uh, and so that took him out of the country. He was in, you know, Cayman Islands, Grand Cayman, uh, Cozumel, Mexico, you name it, uh, just, you know, living the life. And, and my mom, uh, basically ended up raising me and my little brother. And I worked pretty much full time since the age of 12. And, uh, it, it, you know, listen, I think every mess creates a powerful message. And, you know, my upbringing, uh, yeah, I didn't get to be a kid. I, did, I didn't have a childhood, if you will. You know, I, I, was, I had to be an adult really fast. And I was sort of like a dad to my little brother. And, uh, and I watched my mom just, just, you know, just painfully try to make things happen. In fact, uh, one of the greatest life lessons I learned from my mom was, so we go grocery shopping, right? And we'd divide and conquer. So she'd say, honey, you go, you go pick the apples out. Right. And she'd give me tasks and she was very good about really just trying to empower me uh, because, you know, she couldn't babysit, right? <laughs> she, 
she's, she's, she's having to work and try to pay the bills. And uh, she didn't go to school. She didn't graduate. She had no degrees or anything. And so that life just really uh, went not the way she thought. Right. And so anyway, long story short, uh, she told me, I'll never forget this. Uh, I went, I, she said, so every day we'd go into the grocery store. And at the time it was called Albertson's. I don't even know if they're still in business, but it's called Albertson's. And, uh, she, I, my, my, my question I'd always ask is, mommy, how many, how many apples can I get this time? Because we were so on a budget and, and food stamps, wherever it was, like it, it may have been two apples or three apples. And I'll never forget this one day I was able to get four apples. I was like, oh my gosh, this is going to be amazing. Right. I get to pick out four apples. And so we go to the, we go to the grocery store, boom, I, I walk in and she taught me how to do it. She mentored me on the whole process. Right. So you, you pick it up, you kind of check the, the outer layers, make sure there's no big dings or bruises. You lightly press in, make sure it's not too squishy, right? That sort of deal, and boom, put it in the bag, right? So we get back to the apartment, and uh, and I lay the apples out like a proud young boy would, right? I think I'm seven years old or eight years old. And I lay the little apples out, and, and uh, I said, look, Mommy, look, Mommy. And she'd inspect them, and she said, man, she sunk. She said, Logan, great job, great job. And, I, and I, of course, my first question would always be, Mommy, can I have one, right? So, yeah. so we'd wash them and clean them. And, and so I took I, – I'll never forget this as long as I live. I picked the best one, man. It was the shiniest, you know. And I, I take this bite out of this apple. And it wasn't what I was expecting. For the first time in my life, I had taken a bite out of an apple that was – I thought was this crisp red Logan apple, which they're called Logan apples. And it turns out it was mushy. It was mushy and nasty on the inside. I remember spitting it out in the sink. I'm like, Mom, something's wrong with this apple. And I'll never forget. She looked at me with a big smile. She said, honey, don't ever judge a book by its cover. I'm like seven, right? I'm like, what does yeah. three mean? And she, says, she, she, said, she said, honey, substance matters. Things may look great on the outside, but what really matters is what's on the inside. And I remember she told me that story. She said, she said honey always be a man of character, always be a man of substance. And I never forgot that story as long as I, I wrote that story in my first book, actually, Side Advice. And I, ne I, never for I never forgot that. It's like, listen, life's going to be tough. You're going to have bruises. You're going to have scars, but your heart better be pure. That's what she was telling me. Your heart and your motives and your intentions better be pure. So uh, that, that journey uh, uh, led me into this you know, uh, entrepreneurship, if you will. So yeah, I went to high school, JJ Pierce high school. Uh, well backtrack. I went to junior high, North junior high school where I met my, my now wife, Haley. Oh. Uh, so yeah. So we met in seventh grade and, uh, I was an athlete, you know, played all the sports and, uh, I'd actually committed to play college basketball. If you can believe that, cause I'm five, 10 and a half, <laughs> the half part's the most important part, five, <laughs> ten and a half. And I committed to play college basketball at the university of Oklahoma. And uh, anyway, I got a phone call at 11 p.m. from Gerald Turner of the Kansas City Royals. Uh, for those of you that are not baseball fans, that's a major league baseball team. And Gerald Turner called me. I'll never. It's a landline now. Okay, this is before cell phones. <laughs> this is before the internet. Okay, uh, so there was no caller ID. And I thought I, I answered the phone. I'll never. Hello. And I go, is, is Logan Stout there? So this is he. This is Gerald Turner with the Kansas City Royals. And I thought somebody's pranking me. You know. Yeah. And. Uh, I'm like, okay. Like, like, you know, kind of playing along. He goes, well, son, my understanding is you're committed to the University of Oklahoma. Well, I actually knew that it couldn't have been a prank because we had not told anybody I was going to Oklahoma. Hmm. So this guy had to actually be legit. Anyway, he said, you know, if you'll go, if you'll go to college and prove to us that, that you're committed to baseball, uh, we're going to want to draft you. 
And so anyway, that's how I ended up turning down Oklahoma and going and playing baseball instead. Wow. So, uh, so yeah, so I went to school, uh, went to junior college for two years. And the reason I went junior college uh, was because that's what he told me to do. He said, go to junior college, you can get drafted after one year. If you go to a four-year school, you, you have to stay there for three years. So I went to Panola Junior College, had some success there, had a lot of failure as well, uh, which, I mean, I really grew up there uh, from that standpoint. First time away from my mom, which was interesting, and uh, but ended up doing well, you know, uh, all conference, blah, blah, blah. Uh, got hurt, though, had ankle surgery. And uh, so that ruined my draft situation temporarily. Went on to the University of Dallas, uh, uh, got a degree there, was conference player of the year, blah, 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 and went on to play two years of professional baseball. And, and it was through actually direct sales that uh, was the reason why I retired early from baseball. Um, I got involved in direct sales opportunity, and long story short, I was making a heck of a lot more money than I was making playing professional baseball. And I remember I was engaged to Haley. Uh, my now wife, and I called her. I said, honey, would you be okay if I retired from baseball? And she said, honey, of course, do whatever you want to do. And I walked into the GM's office, Monty Clegg, walked into his office, uh, and I said, hey, I'm retiring. And he looked at me and said, what? I said, I said, man, I'm retiring. He said, he said, what do you mean you're retiring? It's your second year. I said, man, I got a business that, uh, that I started, direct sales business, and it's, it's, and it's changed my life in every capacity, mentally, spiritually, physically, financially, emotionally, really changed my life. And I just I don't I'm ready to start a family. I'm ready to be a husband and and uh, and, and have kids and and really focus on my business. And and he said, well, I can't argue with that. And so that's how my career ended. I I did coach college baseball at Dallas Baptist University for a little bit. Started a baseball organization called the Dallas Patriots, which we still have to this day. Started over started over 20 years ago. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean, when I look back on my life, uh, and, and then I'll. You know, I'll stop babbling here, but direct sales, uh, I met the most influential men of my life, men that showed me how to be a husband, men that showed me how to be a dad, uh, men that showed me how to be a professional. And and that experience to this day uh, has shaped who I am. And and then I was – now I'm blessed to have dear friends uh, like John Maxwell. John Maxwell's, you know, uh, uh, that's a whole other story. Uh, so I'll share it real quick because it's pretty. I, I rarely ever share this story. Yeah. So sure. when I was seven, when I was when I was 17 years old, there was a man uh, and his wife, Mike and Donna, and they they handed me a book, and it was the first leadership book I'd ever even heard of. I never I never heard of personal growth, personal development, or, or any of that stuff. I remember I read this book and I couldn't put it down. And it, it was Developing a Leader Within You by John C. Maxwell. And I'm reading this book going, like, what is this stuff? This is not what I'm learning in school, you know? Yeah. And, and I just, I just became just like, it was like, I was, I was just addicted to this, like, wow, you know? And, and, I, and your viewing audience may not uh, uh, care to hear this, but I'm, it's, it's my story. Uh, I accepted Christ as my Savior at the age of 17. And, it, 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 and in that moment, it was like, all the junk in my life was just torn off of me. And, and for that first moment in my life, I was like, okay, this is who I am. You know, I, I spent this my whole life a victim and trying to prove myself. And, and sometimes I still fall into that trap. But, uh, you know, the world had tried to tell me who I'm going to be. And when I learned what my creator told me who I was, I realized who I was because I knew whose I was. And it changed my entire outlook on life. 
And so I started reading all these personal growth books. And so John Maxwell, a lot of people may not know this uh, because they know him as the number one leadership expert of all time, blah, 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 blah. They may not know he was a pastor. And he left full-time ministry because God called him to use the platform of leadership and personal growth to reach people, right? And I never forget this as long as I live. I I was reading the Dallas Morning News. Again, this is pre-internet, right? There's no internet, right? There's no social media. If you wanted to learn something, you had to actually read a newspaper. And I remember reading that Zig Ziglar and John Maxwell were speaking at Reunion Arena in Dallas, Texas. Now, listeners, I know I'm babbling here, but lock in right now. So – I, I, I see the ticket cost. I'm like, I, don't, I, mean, I don't know how I can afford this, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to figure out how to be in the room. This John Maxwell guy, his books have changed my life. You know? So I remember going to be in a reunion arena. And, uh, and this ladies and gentlemen, the world's authoritative expert on leadership, John C. Maxwell. And so he comes on stage, standing ovation. I get chills. He speaks. And I, I never forget this as long as I live. I said, I said to myself, I was, me by myself there, I go, I'm going to meet that man one day. I don't know how, but I'm going to meet that man one day. Okay. Fast forward to 2005. I get, I get asked to speak at an event at Reunion Arena, the same arena wow. where I saw John Maxwell, right? That was the home of the Dallas Mavericks and all this stuff, the Dallas Stars. It's since been torn down. But uh, so my, my handler, my assistant, she, 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 you know, we're getting ready for the event. She tells me when I'm supposed to speak, where I'm supposed to be, green room, where I get mic, topic they want me to speak on, right? So I asked, okay, well, who's speaking in front of me and who's speaking after me? Because I don't want to, like, say something that they would be talking about. And she – I'll never forget this. She goes, well, right before you is John Maxwell. <laughs> and I went – and I had two thoughts, two thoughts in my mind. I went, number one, I went, wait a minute. John Maxwell's right before me. I, I'm, I'm going to get a chance to meet him. Like, I'm going to get to meet him. And then my second thought was – who did I tick off to have to follow John Maxwell, right? <laughs> like, come on, man. So, but anyway, so I go back to my first thought, which is I'm going to meet him. So I get there early. I'll never forget this. I'm down in the bowels of Union Arena, right? Place is going crazy. Zig, Zig's already stepped on stage, which side note, here's how God works in crazy ways. And I'm saying this with all humility because if those of you listening to this, I'm telling you, no matter how bad your life is or how good your life is or no matter how bad your past was or whatever – I want you to understand these two things. These two idols of mine, idols, I don't mean that in a, in a, in a non-sacred way, but I'm saying these two men that shaped me, right? My agent and publicist now is the same guy who did Zig Ziglar. Like, who, I mean, are you kidding me? Like, this, this kid has the same agent that Zig Ziglar had, right? My new book, Grit Factor, is about to come out, and, and it's by the same exact agent that did Zig's C at the top, the number one best-selling book for Zig all time. So let me go back to the story. Zig's on stage, place is going nuts, right? I hit the green room. And, and I had prayed over and rehearsed what I'm going to tell John Maxwell, what I'm going to tell him when I finally get to meet him face-to-face and how his legacy, how he has changed my life, and I promised to carry on his legacy. And I want to make him proud. He's like the dad I never had, and that sort of thing. And um, So I, go, I turn right into the green room. I turn left. There he is. The Dr. John C. Maxwell staring me right in the face. I get, ready to, I get ready to say something. Before I could, he goes, Logan Stout, I was hoping to get to meet you. I'm a, I'm, I'm a huge fan. And I'm sitting there going, am I in a dream? I look, I look, I look to my world, right? And, and I immediately go into it. I said, I, said, I, said, I said, John, you changed my life. You changed my life. You don't know me from Adam necessarily, but you changed my life. You're like a dad I never had. And I vow to you, I will protect and honor your legacy 
until the day I die. If I'm blessed to have children, I will tell them about, about you and the impact you had on my life. It's an honor to meet you. I'm praying for you. Thank you. Tears start coming down his eyes. He gives me a big hug and he says, this morning I was praying for a winner. And God sent me you. Wow. He looks at me and he goes, Logan, do you golf? I said, yeah, not well, but I golf. And he goes, I want, I want you and your wife to join Margaret. Margaret is John's wife. Let's go play golf. I said, we'd love that. And he goes, let's go next week. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm, my schedule's packed. And he, and he looks at my assistant. And he goes, Logan owns his own company. He can clear a schedule for me, right? And she, <laughs> she looks at me like, how do I answer that? I go, John, where do you want to play? He goes, let's go to Pebble Beach. He goes, I'll pay for it. It's on me. Just, you find a way there. I'll pay for it. We're going to Pebble. Bring your wife. I'm looking forward to hanging out with you. And that's how it happened. And he and I have golfed every year together ever since. We've vacationed the world together. And, and it's just humbling to me when I just tell that story because, you know, men that are listening to this, when you are willing to invest in yourself, when you're willing to invest in yourself and realize that God has a plan for your life, when you're willing to do that, here's what I've seen happen in my life. And I truly believe it can happen in yours. The people you once looked up to will become the people you're doing life with. I truly believe that. The guys that the guy that taught me direct sales, Todd Cash, he became one of my best friends. He was my assistant coach for 14 years. The guy was the CEO of a company at the time. I remember sitting on, uh, in the in the seats watching this guy speak on stage, and I go, I can buy into that vision. That's a, that's a man. Uh, your dad, Joe Hansbeck. A guy I absolutely learned learned from and looked up to like crazy and still do this to this day, right? I mean, the fact that we're all in alignment now, uh, it's just amazing how God works if you'll just stay the course and, and go from there. Now, by the way, I do want to share this uh, quick thing before I, you know, shut up. Uh, my dad and I are good friends now, and, and I want to make this point clear too. Uh, forgiveness is a powerful thing, and I forgave my dad. He and I are very good friends. In fact, I was on the phone with him right before I got on this podcast. Uh, uh, so my dad and I are good friends now. He, you know, I, I'm enjoying finally getting to do life with him. And, uh, and so that can be redeemed as well is what I'm trying to say. So there you go. There's my, there's my story. Yeah, that's, I mean, there's, there's hard, to, it's hard to find words to even uh, respond to all that. That's incredible. Um, and, and John Maxwell is a guy that I'm sure a lot of listeners know, and uh, obviously he's impacted a lot of men, but uh, the most interesting part of your story to me is still that, um, while it's great, you and your dad have a, have a solid relationship now, it seemed like he was absent at the time when you're growing up and not that you can't have the type of success that you have without a father, but, uh, having a solid father figure helps. Would you agree? Oh, ab- absolutely. I tell you this, uh, I look at men of influence in my life that that's what helped create that's who, that's who helped make me. Right. You know, and, and, and the cool thing is there's a bunch of great men and a bunch of great mentors that will be happy to pour into uh, you. You know, in fact, when I was a little kid on the elementary school, I was throwing a football. A guy named Richard walks up to me and he says, hey, have you ever thought about playing baseball? And I said, well, I play baseball. And he goes, no, I mean like more competitively. And, of course, I was naive. I thought I did play competitive baseball. I played the little local city rec league that was free, right? And um, he said, well, let me talk to your dad. And I said, well, I, I live with my mom. I don't live with my dad. And he said, well, okay, well, can I talk to your mom? And I remember this. He went and talked to my mom. This guy, Richard, picked me up, took me to practices and games, and bought me equipment, bought me a glove, uh, mentored me. And if not for that guy, 
in that experience, uh, I may not have ever gone to college. I mean, I may not have never played college baseball. I may have never played professional baseball. I certainly wouldn't have the Dallas Patriots and all that type of stuff. But there was a great example to to the point of your question of how how there are men out there it, 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 that can be a father to the fatherless, and and I'm a, I'm a living example of that. Yeah, and, and moms are are great. I think we can all agree on that. I'm sure your mom sounds awesome. I know my mom's awesome, but there that father figure role it, it just has to be another man to step up if you don't have a father into that um, to to push you where where you can go. And um, I think you've had plenty of examples of that uh, solid guys in your life that have helped you get to be where you're at today. So, uh, what motivated you to get to where you're at today? You know, you're the you're the CEO of a company, you're, you're speaking all over, you've written books. Um, I mean, was it, was it just those, um, male role models that stepped into your life? You know, no. Um, I mean, they, they, they're the reason I was able to do what I've done and be where I am. But, you know, I walked into the apartment one day, I was 12 and, um, uh, my mom was sitting on a recliner where she was every night, uh, smoking her cigarette, you know, uh, which back then was normal, but you know, obviously not good for you. Yeah. And it was sort of just her way of coping, you know. And and uh, and I remember I was walking one particular evening. I was I was coming. I came in from playing outside, and I was walking to my room, and and I saw my mom crying. And I stopped, and I said, "Mom, you okay?" And she quickly, you know, wiped away the tears. She didn't know I saw her, right? She she never tried to show show weakness in front of me. To this day, she doesn't show weakness in front of me. Yeah. And. Uh, and, and, uh, you know, and she said, Oh, I'm fine, honey. I'm fine. And I said, well, why are you crying? And she said, well, I'm honey. It's nothing. It's just, I'm fine. I go, but you're crying mom. <laughs> and she said, well, it's just a tough, tough day at work, but it's, I'm fine. It's all good, honey. It's all good. And I started, I took one step to my room and I don't know what compelled me to say this, but I stopped. I turned around and looked at my mom. I said, mom, I love you. Thank you for all you do for me, my little brother. And I, and I said, mom, I promise you. I'm going to be successful one day and I'm going to take care of you. I promise you. And I remember she looked at me, she said, she said, honey, that's nice of you to say, she said, you just have to understand something. There are the haves and there are the have nots. And that's okay. But we're the have nots, but we have each other. And that's all we need. And I remember she said that to me and I, I went, well, why, 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 what do you mean? Why do I have to be a have not? Like, why, why can't I well, be successful? And of course, she was like, well, I'm not saying you can't, honey. It's just, just it, it's okay if you're not. And I looked at her. I said, Mom, I promise you I'm going to be successful. And I promise you I'm going to take care of you. Wow. And that was, a def- that was a defining, you know, story. And then I always forget that people always end up like, they'll listen to a, a, a TV interview or radio or a podcast when I share that story. And <laughs> I'll get blown up on social media. People will be messaging me. Well, whatever happened to your mom? <laughs> and so I'll go ahead and answer that. <laughs> My mom is doing great. Okay, yeah. we built her. We built her her dream home. She lives, you know, not far from me. She hangs out with my two boys all the time. She's healthy. She stopped smoking. She's lost sixty five pounds. She looks incredible, and uh, she's rocking it, man. I'm proud of my mom. So she's doing great. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, I'm gonna share. I pulled some facts from Fatherhood.org about the lack of uh, the lack of a father. So these are statistics about kids with a lack of a father. So it's four times greater risk of poverty, uh, more likely to have behavioral problems, more likely to face abuse and neglect, 
more likely to abuse drugs and alcohol, more likely to go to prison, two times more likely to drop out of high school. So obviously none of that um, happened to you, but it happens to guys all over the place. So what was the hardest part for you about having uh, an absent father growing up? You know, I, I just think it's when you, when you, you know, you see your friends at this mom and dad situation, you can't help but wonder what that's like, you know? I mean, I never had a single Christmas in my entire life with my mom and dad, you know? And uh, I, I think that was probably the hardest part in hind- looking back on it, you know, because when you're in the moment, you, you don't know what you don't know, right? Yeah. So I, I didn't know what it was like. I didn't, I never experienced having, you know, a dad around. So, you know, I, I, I didn't have any, but now I'm a dad myself. And I, I've actually, I actually broke down crying, I don't know, a few Christmases ago to my wife. And I said, honey, you know, uh, I never got to do this as a child, you know? And she sort of, you know, remember my wife, maybe since seventh grade. And she said, uh, well, that must have been tough. I said, well, I didn't know it was until now. <laughs> you know, I'm looking back yeah. going, you know, if you think about it, it was like, like Christmas Day was like a, it was like a, I don't even know how to describe it. I feel like a, 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 in today's world, an Uber driver, right? Driving from one house to the other house to the other house. You know, everybody jockeying for time on who gets to see who win. And, and, uh, and again, listen, I'm blessed for it too. I got a stepdad now. He's um, unbelievable. He's like an angel, a gift from God. So, uh, again, anybody listening to this, um, again, uh, great things can come from horrible situations, right? Yeah. Um, and I got a great stepdad that I would never have. I have a stepbrother, stepsister that are very close with me. And in fact, one of them works for one of my companies. And and uh, and and so I I look back and I consider it all uh, uh, blessings. I really do. I have no regrets from that standpoint. Um, so when you ask me the question, what's the hardest part? I think it was just the loneliness, man. I was very lonely as a young boy. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I felt like nobody, nobody understood me, you know? And, uh, you know, again, back then, divorce was not common. I mean, today it is. Today it's fairly, really, really common, you know? And, and that's what concerns me more than anything. Not the divorce aspect as much, which is obviously not a good thing in my opinion, but sometimes it's, it, it is what it is. Um, but just because you're divorced doesn't mean you can't be a dad, right? Just yeah. because you've, you've gone through, you, you can still be a father. And, uh, and again, my dad, again, he's not a horrible human being. I'm not trying to make him out to be that. Mm-hmm. He just, you know, he was living the life, he's scuba diving in the Caribbean, you know? <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, it is what it is. But Yeah, and I, I, that's such a powerful perspective to have, I think. Um, not a lot of guys do have that perspective of, there's a lot of great things that can come from those hardships and those difficult times. And, you know, sometimes you just roll the punches and uh, say, Oh, life's unfair. You know, I just got to give up, but it's a powerful testimony for you to, to use that as uh, motivation and kind of a, um, you know, a blessing in disguise, but you, you touched on this a little. So are, are you intentional about your fatherhood with your kids uh, just from the childhood you had? Extremely, extremely, you know, um, uh, you know, I, I travel and speak a lot and I, I'm very intentional about when I do that. So I'm home, uh, you know, every night we do our prayers together. Every morning we get up and eat breakfast together and, and, you know, uh, my wife and I'll take them to school or I'll pick them up. I was in carpool yesterday, you know, uh, I, I, we're very blessed to be able to do certain things. So they're in a private school and, and I, you know, I told the the headmaster said, listen, here's the deal. I get to do some cool things. I want to make sure it's okay that my boys can come with me. And so my boys have traveled the globe and, and gotten to do a lot of really cool things. And, 
and we're very intentional about personal growth, personal development. In fact, I actually just texted John Maxwell, uh, my my boy's reading uh, some of his books, you know, and and <laughs> he got choked up. It was pretty cool. Uh, and so I'm very intentional on that. I read with them. My wife reads with them. Uh, we have the 14 honorable character traits that they that they're they're memorizing and and uh, you know we go I go go to lunch with them at school and you know I coach their sports and no I, I'm very intentional about trying to be the best dad possible I make mistakes all the time but mm-hmm. I'm very intentional about about just you know uh, mentoring them on how to be a, a man of God and mentoring them on 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 how to be a a, a leader really and in fact we just had their uh, uh, parent-teacher conferences, and they're, I have twins, and so uh, we purposely have them in separate classes so they can have their independence, and uh, what was so cool is both teachers independently said, and your boys are leaders. Everybody follows their lead and looks up to them, and and, uh, and that made me feel good. You know what I mean? It made me feel good that, that you know, it's working, and so I hope that, I hope that would Remember, uh, you all listening, just remember, either exist through life or you intentionally design your life. And the choice is yours, right? And intentionality is the key. And so you ask that question. Yes, we're very intentional. Yeah, and it's it's uh, it's a great thing that you realize, you know, that you can take your boys on those trips wherever you're going because that, that's part of the reason my parents got into direct sales was to spend more time with my siblings and me. And I remember my dad told me kids spell love, T-I-M-E, time, because that's that's – that's all we know as kids is just time with, that's all we want is time with our parents. And I'm sure it's hard for you sometimes to find that time since you are such a busy guy, but it's, it's awesome to hear that you go out and make efforts to bring your kids on trips and just try to spend as much time as you can. Well, listen, the majority of people give those that mean the most to them what's left of them. And I want to make sure people heard me there. Most people give the most important people in their lives what's left of themselves versus the best of themselves. And so for me, I always vowed my kids are going to get the best of me. In fact, I had a great, a great fail. Here's a great fail that hopefully I can pass this on to the listeners so you don't feel like I did. Uh, Miles, one of my kids, he, he, you know, and, and I love that quote about time. They spell love, T-I-M-E, time. I, I agree with that 100%. And, and Miles said to me, he said, Daddy, will you play with me? He wanted me to play cars. He was playing cars. And I was in the middle of a, a – reading through a board report and all kind of stuff. And I said, buddy, not right now. I, I got, I got to get this done. And he came back. I don't know. It, it felt like a minute later, but it was like an hour later, came back in the office and he said, Hey daddy, uh, are you going to play with me today? I said, of course, buddy, I'm just working on this. He said, okay, daddy. I said, I love you, buddy. He said, I love you, dad. And then he left and he came back again about an hour later. And, uh, he said, daddy, you're not going to have time to play with me today. Are you? And boy, it got me. And so I, you know, I honestly, I failed. I said, yes, I am. And I, but I finished the board report. I stayed in his office. By the time I'd gotten done, he was sleeping on the couch and it, it crushed me. It crushed me because I let my son down. And here's the crazy part. I'm at church the next day. Right. And the pastor's talking about random stuff. And, but he said this point, he said, Hey, listen, uh, as, as parents, one of the greatest things you can do when your children say, Will you play with me? Even if you don't want to do it, even if it's something you don't want to do, always do it. And I'm sitting there going, what, were you in my house last night? Like, how do you, how do you, you know, you know, it's one of those conviction moments. And I vowed ever since that day, anytime my kids say, daddy, you play with me, I do it. Now, yeah. you know, I may have to finish a task, but yeah. I make sure that I, I can at least get a stopping point. And I'm playing with them within five to 10 minutes of that task. 
And uh, that's that's some encouragement I want to give to every every person out there is is listen, the day's gonna come where they never ask you again. Yeah. Will you play with me? That day's gonna come. And uh and, and whatever you do, they're gonna remember all the times you said no a hundred times more than the times you're gonna remember that you said yes. And yep. uh and, and so I, I, was, I would encourage you. I, I had a leadership fail there as a dad, and uh, it hadn't happened since, but it happened that one time. Yeah, and even looking back at my childhood, I can echo what you said. You definitely do remember the times. Um, uh, my dad said no to me playing catch or whatever it was, but, um, you know, he, he made an effort like you to, to try to say yes as much as he could. So um, I just got a couple more questions for you. Um, what advice would you give to guys who didn't grow up with a dad or just had an absent father, what, what do you think they need to hear? Number one, it does not define you. It's not your fault. It doesn't define you. Uh, and don't let it, don't let it define you. Don't carry it with you. Now, the second thing I would tell you, I was, I always was very insecure and always felt the need to prove myself, right? A chip on my shoulder. And to this day, even like <laughs> I, I heard somebody ask, uh, uh, somebody that's in energy one time, they, they said, uh, they said, Hey, I've got a hundred million dollar business. I'm extremely successful yet. When I look in the mirror, I, I still see a broke boy because this guy grew up dirt poor. I still see somebody really broke and poor. What advice do you have for me? That, that was the question this one gentleman asked another person. And I thought about that and I went, Oh my gosh, that's me. It's like, no matter what I accomplish, it's not good enough. I'm on to the next task. Yeah. And, and so my, 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 my answer to that would be, listen, you are good enough. You're a rock star. Your past does not define your present. Uh, learn from it, grow from it, but don't let it define who you are today. And I spent my entire, well, the majority of my entire life, really, just trying to prove myself. And, uh, you know, nothing good comes from that, right? <laughs> You get achievement addiction, uh, you become a workaholic, you become transactional, uh, where you don't, you don't value real relationships, you feel like you can't trust anybody, um, and you feel like everybody just wants something from you. Um, and so my, 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 one of my pieces of advice is this, just, just be a relationship person. Hmm. You have pure heart, pure motives, value relationships, value people, put people first, and realize you are good enough. Even if you feel like you're not, you are. And all of us men, in my opinion, all of us may be a strong little exaggerated, but I think the majority of men, we want a man to say, man, I'm proud of you. Yeah. I think they were hardwired that way, you know, and I we want it. a dad figure to say, I'm proud of you. You are good enough. I'm proud. You have nothing to prove. I'm proud of you. You know, and I think I just never had that. And so I carried that weight with me throughout my entire life. And I feel like, uh, and it still haunts me some today. It still creeps up, you know. Even if you, even if, even if you try to remove it, it's it's still part of who you are. And you feel the need to, you know, to 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 boast about something you've done, or maybe to to, to bow your chest. And, and listen, nothing good comes from that stuff. Just lead with love, value people, put people first, and you'll win. Yeah, that's that's great advice and, and just awesome insight to, to what you think in your story. Uh, last thing I, I want to ask is this men making a difference movement. I know we told you a little bit what's to, what it's about and um, just feel like right now, me and you know, some great men. Um, I know you, you know, John Maxwell even, but I'd say we, me and you both know to a, a lot of men who aren't stepping up, you know, I'd say the, 
the status of most men today is they're not real good leaders. They're not real good fathers or husbands. You know, it's just, it seems like it's lacking today more than ever. So what's your opinion on that? And how do you think we can improve? Well, listen, there's a reason the rear view mirror is tiny and the windshield's huge. Learn from the past, take a glimpse, learn, right? You know, I just believe there's, experience isn't the great teacher evaluated experience is the great teacher so yeah evaluate your past what could you done better but focus on the front windshield right focus on where you're going and and it, whether you, whether you've made a ton of mistakes we all have by the way you've made a ton of mistakes and blah blah okay you can't you can't change that that's the past so but what you can change is your is your current and your future right and so my advice is just focus on who you are today and what you're going to do with the day every day that would be my advice to you. Uh, don't beat yourself up, man. If, if, uh, I think men can be really hard on ourselves, and 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 it can lead to all kind of emotional damage, quite frankly. And so my advice to you is, is listen, your Savior forgives you. You need to forgive yourself, and and you need to lock in on where you are today and where you're going. That that that's that that, that needs to be the mindset, right? Control the controllables. Control the controllables. You cannot control the past. Stop trying to control the here and now and move forward in that. And that, that's, that'd be the advice I would give you. It's advice I gave myself and, and it worked out for me and I believe it'll work out for you. That's awesome. Uh, that's all I have for you, Logan. I, I really do appreciate you being on here. I know a lot of listeners are going to appreciate your message and your story and it's such a powerful testimony. I don't know if there's any last words you want to give to any listeners or anything you have. Now listeners, I'll just tell you this. You're loved. You are loved and appreciated. Sometimes you may not feel like it, but uh, you are loved and cared for and appreciated. And I would love to meet you uh, one day, uh, wherever that may be, and connect with me on uh, on social media. All my social media stuff is uh, just my name, LoganStout.com. So it's all on there. Just connect with me and just, just message me and say, hey, I heard you on the, the Men Making a Difference podcast. And, and uh, if there's any way we can serve you or add value to your life, love to do it. And, uh, uh, hey, it's an honor to be on here. So thank you so much for having me as your guest. Yeah, it's awesome. Thank you. I just want to end this second podcast by thanking everybody that reached out after the first episode. Both my dad and myself had a lot of friends and family reach out and say they enjoyed the content, enjoyed the material. So it's encouraging to know that um, this kind of content is needed and is wanted. And it's it's great to know that. Um, you know, a lot of you enjoyed it. So again, any, any tips or advice on how to improve, we would, um, open that up and, and definitely take that into consideration. We do have that email men making a difference 2019 at gmail.com. We don't know everything. We will never claim to know everything. So any, any advice on how to get better, we'll, we'll take with open hearts and try to do that for you guys. But I uh, just know that you're loved here. And the goal is to try to improve men as a society I feel like we're at a very fragile time right now and uh, hopefully listening to all these guys and their stories puts a tug on your heart to want to be better and hopefully you have some practical tips from these guys' testimonies to be better also. So until next time, guys.